there, y'all. I'm Adrian. I'm married to that one. And I serve in worship ministry and in um, village women and whatever else, whatever else needs to be done. Um, today's scripture reading is from Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. This is God's word. Thank you. Good. My, uh, my lovely wife uh, also works for our district uh, under the leadership of Pastor Mike Mugford. And the last few weeks have been uh, just going crazy, getting ready for family camp, which just took place a couple weeks ago. I don't even know how long it was now. It feels like a lifetime. Uh, lots of work leading up to family camp, lots of hours, and then lots and lots of time spent there. She'd get up before the sun was out and come back to bed at night before the, after the sun was down and after the clock hit midnight. And um, I basically had no wife for a week or two. And on the drive home, she looks at me and she's like, oh, this is great. And I said, yeah, I'm tired of being the first lady. <laughs> and she started laughing. <laughs> so I get to be that guy though still, so... <laughs> We had a great time at Family Camp. I'll remind you, uh, the registration is open for next year. If you like hearing the stories and you want to be a part of it next year, you can already register at the district to be a part of that Family Camp, and it's going to be a good time. Our journey continues as we join that festive throng of devoted worshipers who are making their way to the temple. In this sermon series, we've called A Pilgrim's Song, Psalms of Ascent. And we are following in the footsteps of the ancient people of Israel who would sing and recite and declare these songs as they would make their way up to Jerusalem a couple times a year for a festival or celebration to remember God and his steadfast love for them. And that journey, as Nick pointed out in our first episode, our first week, that journey was not easy. That journey had many dangers Many uh, potential pitfalls, thieves and robbers, idol worshipers, and yet those faithful set out year after year to go and be a part of the celebration of who God is and his love for them. These psalms served as a reminder to them that their help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and that the Lord gave them the victory over their enemies that the Lord fought their battles, uh, it was so integral to their faith. And it, it caused a swelling of gratitude and grateful love in their hearts and was to lead them to a confident trust that the Lord could and would do it again for them. It was to recenter their awareness on God who was at work in their lives in the extraordinary ways, like in battle when they routed 
a foe that was larger and bigger than them, but also in everyday life. Their pilgrimage through many danger, toils, and snares is not all unlike our journey through this life. In Psalm 124, it showed us that utter dependence or utter despair and defeat await us if the Lord is not on our side. If the Lord had not been on our side, we were this close to being snatched up by the enemy, swallowed up. And today we're gonna look at Psalm 127 where the call to God-centered awareness is broadened to include what we build and what we watch over in life. The main point, the point that seems to be repeated over and over again in this psalm is something like, deny God in all of your ways and everything is emptied of ultimate purpose and worth and instead will be filled with anxious toil and restlessness. Or to put it the positive, acknowledge God in all your ways and everything is filled with ultimate meaning, purpose, and rest and emptied of anxiety. That sounds like a good life, yeah? Filled with meaning and purpose, filled with substance, not empty, except emptied of the anxieties of anxious toil. More than a high moral principle or abstract thought, it was extremely practical to these pilgrims as they made their way to Jerusalem, and it is extremely practical to us today, I believe. And we're gonna look at this passage under three comparisons. The three comparisons, I'll give you the the broad overview here, and then we'll go one by one. Fullness or futility, blessing or burden, rest or restlessness. And so we'll begin with fullness or futility. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain you get up and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Unless the Lord builds a house, unless who? The Lord. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. A house may refer to walls and, and to roof and to the doors of a house. Uh, we, we have a home up in Georgetown and uh, we found out that it's not very square. It is not a very squared home because we needed to install a new back door that was in a frame. And when we took out the old one and tried to get the new one in there, it was wonky. Is that a, is that a word, wonky? Yeah, okay. <laughs> And we spent hours collecting the materials and then trying to get it to line up as best as we could in all the ways so that the door would open and so it didn't look like this in the back door. I don't know if you know that, but doors operate best when it looks more like this than like that. It doesn't want to open. In a sense, we were repairing or rebuilding our home. We were building it up. A home might be built with walls, with doors, with a roof. But in a broader meaning, we could see that this this really could include anything that takes our creative labor to produce something. Anything that we as people might direct our creative energies towards to build. And that might include our work, 
That might include our relationships or church or our financial well-being that we would build up our nest egg. It might include all of those and more. We all have creative energies that we are directing to some kind of building project in our life. And most of us have many building projects, things that we are trying to build up. And it would seem that the human race as a whole is inclined toward building. But to what end? For what purpose? This psalm, referring, uh, it's referred to at times as a wisdom psalm, is inviting us to think deeper about our inclination to build. This psalm is inviting us to reorient our aptitude for creating in a way that can give it ultimate meaning and purpose as we go about our building. Are we building whatever we might be building for our own glory and fame? Are we building whatever in order to throw off the constraints of being a creature ourselves, having been created or built, in order that we might find some self-appointed throne which we can sit down on and rule the world? I don't know if you know about the Tower of Babel or Babel, depending on how you say it, but that was their goal. Let us build a mighty tower reaching to the heavens that we might rule in place of God. To what ends are we building? And the same might be said of watching. It says, unless the Lord watches over a city, its watchmen watch in vain. Unless the Lord watches, the watchmen stay alert in vain. There is a way in which the Lord watches even as the human watchman watches. You see that? Unless the Lord watches, the watchmen who are watching are doing it in vain. What is watching? Well, isn't watching securing and preserving whatever we have created? Securing and preserving whatever we have built. It is making sure that no band of thieves or a sailing army will come and take what we have toiled to make and build for ourselves. We watch to preserve. We watch to keep. But to what end? And this leads to a question. Three times the author uses the word vain. Unless the Lord builds a house, his builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, its watchmen stay alert in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late. What does vain mean? Well, in this context, vain means anything done without its ultimate meaning in mind. Work that is vain is work that is empty or detached from the reality of how things are supposed to be. Detached from the reality of their intended purpose and ultimate worth. Preserving is vain. Watching is vain. When we watch to keep things without the ultimate reality of meaning behind all that is created. Everything is vain, empty, and meaningless without God. 
And you might say, why? Why is everything? I find some pleasure in it. Well, I'll give two reasons for sure. These are just big picture reasons. Number one, he's creator of all things. (laughs) To deny him is to deny the origin of all things that are. And number two, is, is just as important, if not more important to our daily lives, and that is he is actively governing all things by his infinite wisdom and power according to his purpose. He is actively governing all things by his infinite wisdom and power according to his purpose. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says this of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. If everything was created through him and for him, then it is only in him that all things have meaning. Our building and our watching and our toil for sustenance are futile if they are done without a God-centered awareness and God-centered purpose, filling them up to the fullness with meaning. This psalm invites us to fullness or to futility. And it's our choice. I said that word really funny. <laughs> futility. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm going on a little sleep last night, just a little bit. We had an awesome time celebrating down in Lodi, some friends who had a, a marriage renewal. It was 100 billion degrees outside, and they happened to do it outside. <laughs> um, and so every plate on the table became a fan as they're doing their vows. And you can just see it across the wind and the sweat. And it was, it was a lot of fun. But we got home late because it was down in Lodi. So it was 10 or 11. And, and yeah, long night. Long explanation. <laughs> My wife's giving me that look like, move on. <laughs> Which leads us to the second point. <laughs> Blessing or Burden. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gates. Now at first, these verses may seem like they come out of left field, Like maybe someone took two psalms and pasted them together right about there. What's the connection with the first part of the psalm? Now I believe the psalmist is giving us actually a very important and maybe even foundational illustration of what the first two verses are actually saying. A way for us to see them worked out. And I will start by saying a house is built for a family. At the heart of the cultural mandate of scripture at the very beginning is the creation of man and woman, the man who is to leave his father and mother's house and to be united with his wife, and the two are to become one flesh with one vocation of being fruitful and multiplying image bearers throughout the earth. Having kids who are made in the image of God for his glory Occupy and fill the earth. This is the purpose. 
A house is built for family, and multiple houses together are built to make a community or a city that needs to be watched over. At that time, watchmen would oftentimes be set up on the walls of a city, a a reinforced city or a a fortified city, and, and they would look out over the distance to see if any trouble was coming, and the people inside, and some of the people who dwell outside would hear the call if an army was coming down on them. Come on, and they would all gather within the fortified city, and they would close the gates to be safe. The watchmen looked The watchman might also be looking for a messenger who brings good news or glad tidings. The watchman watch, guarding, looking out over the houses, the people, the families. A house is built for family and multiple houses for community. But what do these verses really get at? Uh, Verse three, four, and five. Uh, Where do kids come from? We don't have to have that talk right now, but... (laughs) Uh, I'll use Bethany Rosema as an example right now. Right now, there's a kid baking in her oven, right now. (laughs) Not a good Mexican dinner last night, right? (laughs) Women get pregnant, right, and have kids. Women get pregnant and have kids. That's the the order of things. Now, I understand this may be controversial to some nowadays. Uh, Women get pregnant and have kids. And some people might be confused, but there's been no confusion for many, many millennia. (laughs) Women get pregnant and have kids. But Psalm 127 says that behind the building of those kids within the woman, someone's active, something's active, someone. God, the Lord. Children are a heritage from who? The Lord. Children, offspring, are a gift. Offspring are a reward. Offspring are a blessing because they come from God, his building, what the Lord is building up. Elsewhere in the Psalms, it says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me as my little body was formed. You were there. You counted as every hair appeared on my body. You, Lord, you saw it all. You know it all. Offspring, children are a gift. They are a reward and a blessing. Why? Well, the psalm tells us here that because when evil or when the enemies come against to kill, still, and destroy God's good glory, you've got backup. Kids are your backup. When you raise God-honoring, God-exalting, God-centered image bearers, they are like arrows in the hands of a warrior to stand up against enemies. Instead of being routed and put to shame, they have your back. You roll deep, as the kids say, (laughs) maybe 20 years ago. (laughs) Now, does our society or culture preach that kids are a blessing? Do we get that kind of message from society and culture? Don't have kids. They'll ruin your life. They'll ruin your body. They will take your time, every ounce of time and energy you have and ruin that perfect companionship you have with your spouse. Kids just mean that you... You have to postpone your career goals. 
and ambitions. And may, maybe you need to forfeit them altogether. Kids are a burden. They're a burden. When will they leave? <laughs> I have a 20-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 15-year-old. And I have joked. <laughs> I have made that joke before. Let's call it a joke. <laughs> they ruin your life. They take your energy. They're a burden. And that, to that, what does the word of God say? Lies! Lies! That's a lie! The word of God says they are blessings. They are gifts. They are rewards. Happy is the man who's filled his quiver with them. Happy, blessed. They are not a burden. They are not a ruiner of my goals and ambitions. They are not someone who has taken me away from my ultimate purpose. They are blessings. They are good. But they alone are not ultimate or ultimately from you. We learn that in the, in the Psalms. They are from God. Gifts given. And we also learn that if, if Colossians is true, then they are not from you ultimately and they are not for you ultimately. For all things are created through him and for him. Do you believe the word of God or do you believe your culture? Do you believe the word of God or will you believe your society that you grow up in? Do you believe the word of God or do you believe your own intuition? Do you believe the word of God or do you believe your own feelings about the matter? Happy is the one who has filled his quiver with children. That's what the word says. It's what we choose to believe. Family is the primary God-designed way of filling the earth with his image, his glory and goodness. They are blessings. They are a building of the Lord. Do we acknowledge that truth? This leads to how are we to live our lives in light of the words of this psalm. When you and I, when we build, when we watch and we toil in vain, it does not produce peace in our life. What we build does not last. I'm always reminded, I, I don't actually know the name off the top of my head, but I'm reminded of a mall that was to be built in Elk Grove. I'm reminded of the countless times I drove past the skeleton of that mall as it sat under the elements. And I'm reminded recently when it was tore down and replaced with something else. Think of all those guys who were out there toiling and laboring initially. Think of all those guys who built that structure only to have it replaced with something completely different. It reminded me of stories you hear from Vietnam War of men who were frustrated and angry because they were told to take that hill only to be told the next day, take that hill and leave that hill. And having left 
the dead behind on that hill, friends and buddies who took that hill, to then have to take that hill and let the enemy have that hill again, to then go back and have to take that hill and lose more brothers and be told this over and over and over again, futile, in vain. When we build, it doesn't last. When we watch over, the things slip away. All our toil and struggle simply starts over tomorrow again, and the next day, and the next, and the next. Is there a way that we can build? Is there a way that we can watch and we can work for our sustenance without the anxiety that comes from doing it in vain? Can we find not only ultimate purpose in our lives, but can we find peaceful, restful hope in the process? Look at what verse two says in Psalm 127. In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. The extraordinary loving kindness of God in this psalm is this, that he gives sleep to his beloved. He gives sleep to his beloved. What, what is sleep? What is sleep? What happens to a man who thinks that the whole world, or at least his whole world, is sustained only through his work and determination? Sleeping is a waste of time. It's a waste of precious time to continue to build my kingdom, to check my stock portfolio, to make sure everything's in order, to make sure that I'm moving up, 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 up. It's a waste of time to sleep. Time that I could be spending, spending on making more money or building bigger storehouses so I can store more money so I can keep watch over the gains endlessly. Psalm 127 says that the Lord gives his beloved sleep. Listen to what one pastor said about this part of the verse. It'll be up on the screen as well. Sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That was from Psalm 121 that, that Nick uh, preached out of a couple weeks ago. But Israel will sleep. For we are not God. Once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness. The sickness is a chronic tendency to think we are in control and that our work is indispensable. To cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. How humiliating to the self-made corporate executive that he has to give up control and become as limp as a suckling infant every day. Sleep is a parable that God is God and we are mere men. God handles the world quite nicely while our hemisphere sleeps. 
Sleep is like a broken record that comes around with the same message every day. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Don't let the lesson be lost on you. God wants to be trusted as the great worker who never tires and never sleeps. He is not nearly so impressed with our late nights and early mornings as he is with the peaceful trust that casts all anxieties on him and sleeps. Sleep is a silent protest against the self-made, self-glorifying idolatry of our age. Sleep is silent trust that the Lord is the ultimate, decisive effect behind all of our building, all of our watching, behind our families, and all of our work. Sleep is a daily exercise of trust. And God grants sleep to the one who acknowledges him by restfully trusting in his sovereignty. God is God. You are not. Anything you build apart from him is destined to the flame. Anything that he builds is eternal. As the pilgrims make their way to Jerusalem, they remind themselves that the homes that they have left behind, that their fields and their possessions, that their communities and the temple that they're heading to and the nation that they are a part of and that their families who are on the perilous road with them, they are all under the watchful sovereign eye of God. And so they rest. And that is our invitation to today. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for words of wisdom, ancient words of wisdom, renewed for us today. And we pray your blessing over these words in our heart, that we would find comfort and peace. We would find hope and restfulness as we sit under the caring and watchful eye of our Father, our Heavenly Father, and we trust. Lord, build in us and through us something great for your kingdom. Strengthen families. May families be strengthened as fathers and mothers pour their lives into loving and caring and training up their children in the way they should go. But may the mothers and fathers never hit the pillow on the bed thinking that it all relies on them. For in the end, when we sleep, you are still at work. And we thank you for that, in Jesus' name.